So I love technology. I've used it for a multitude of things. I've learned tremendous amounts through technology. I've, I've heard awesome stories. I've watched amazing videos. But that being said, for all that I've gained through technology, I have to be honest in saying that I've also lost something because of technology. You see, the reality is, is we have a tendency to just think about what we gain with these things, with these tools we have, to be able to watch another video, to be able to hear another podcast, to be able to read another ebook or whatever the situation might be. But, of course, there are some times in which we have traded things for that opportunity. I know that I have missed moments. I've wrecked conversations. I've messed up interactions because of the technology that I have in my life. I've lost things for things that I have gained. And what's dangerous is if any of us are participating in this world of technology we have currently, but if we don't consider the fact that our use of technology might not just be gaining us something, but it might also be costing us something as well. I hope that every single one of us have that idea in our mind. The whole idea for this series, Stop, isn't to say that we're anti-technology at all. In fact, I love technology. Listen to me, I have a MacBook, I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, and I have an Apple Watch. That's ridiculous, right? When I'm sitting at my desk and I have all of them and somebody calls me, all of them go off at one time and it's ridiculous. It's like all these devices are all yelling at me at the same time. It's ludicrous. But that being said, listen, it's not that we need to cut out technology, that we need to you know, completely push back away from technology, but... I'm concerned about how we use it, specifically the thing that STOP is about, this this series, is that we have this tendency to fill in these tiny pauses in our day with technology. As we go through our life, we kind of go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and what we have is these moments between things, between one thing and another thing, where we kind of have these pauses between two things, And in this quick little pause, we now have this tendency because we are immediately connected to technology, most of us carrying a powerful computer in our pocket at all times, that we immediately grab our technology and we fill that pause with content. We go on a social media site or we watch a video or we listen to a song or we read something and and there's always another bit of content that we want to put into our life in those moments. The problem that I have is I'm not sure that we were meant to live a life in which we had wall-to-wall content in our days. I actually wonder if, what if these pauses between things, what if the pause is actually on purpose? What if the pause is on purpose? It's an opportunity between other things for us to get to do. And I'm not saying that content isn't terrific. I have learned so many things through technology. I'm not saying there isn't something great on the other side of that on the other side of that technology. But what if there's actually surprising potential in those unoccupied moments? What if there's something better waiting for us in that if we didn't immediately grab our phones and go to technology? What if God had something planned inside of it? And that's the conversation that I'm talking about in this series called Stop. We have these pauses, and week one I talked about the idea of what if we just took a break when we hit these pauses and we go to grab our technology, we go to grab our phone, what if we just stopped for a moment? We stopped and we we took a step back. And I talked about last week what we can begin to do in those. Last week we talked about just stopping and then thinking. Just thinking, nothing super crazy, but actually engaging our mind and what could happen coming out of that. And if you weren't here, you should, you should go back and you should listen to that for sure. But this week I want to continue and I want to talk about if we hit these pauses and, and we stop, 
Something else that we could do inside of it. Because I actually believe these pauses that I believe are in our life on purpose. I wonder if the pauses might not be an opportunity to observe. An opportunity to observe. Now, we don't use the word observe that often. But it's good because observe means to use our senses to capture the world around us. To perceive the world around us. It's not just our eyes. It's our ears. It's our nose. It's the sense of touch that's around us. And it's actually perceiving what's around us. That's what it means to observe. Did you know that you as a human being are insanely capable of observation? That when you you blend together the idea that we have very, very good eyesight, we have decent hearing, we have a strong sense of of touch, we have an okay sense of smell, we have a good sense of taste. When you put all those things together, you have an amazing ability to perceive the world around you. You use your senses to pinpoint and put these things together and draw an accurate picture of the world around you. You are amazingly perceptive, amazingly observant, yet... Yet, your brain tries to observe as little as possible. Did you know that? That when you go through your day, when you go through your week, you have the ability to observe tons of what's around you. But your brain is so smart that what it tries to do is observe as little as possible as you go through your days. I recently heard a lecture about this at a college, uh, a college class that I watched online, so that's funny, right? But the, the, the professor was talking about how us as humans, what we are is we are task-oriented creatures. What I mean is this. What we do is as we go through our day, as we go through our life, we are always pursuing another task. There is always the next thing we're trying to accomplish, the next thing we're trying to do, the next place we're trying to reach. And as we go through our life, how our brain classifies what we see, what we hear, what we engage with, is it basically puts things in three basic categories. And the first two, what it does is as we go through our days and we're pursuing a task, anything that's going to be beneficial for hitting that task is put in the category of a tool. It's something that we can use in order to gain progress towards the task that we're going towards. We see doors and we see pathways and we see cars and our brain is recognizing those as tools that will get us to the thing we're trying to accomplish, to our next task. We classify tons of other things as obstacles. These are things that have to be solved. These are things that have to be gone around. These are things who have to be be put some attention on because we have to figure out how we can get over these, under these, around these. And as we go through our life, we classify tool and obstacle and tool and obstacle and tool and obstacle for the next thing we're going to. But this is what's so interesting. The broad majority of what you observe... The broad majority of what you see, of what you hear, of what you smell, of what you sense. Your brain immediately puts into this third category called irrelevant. Irrelevant. You see, because you're a task-oriented creature, your brain is so wise to know that the broad majority of what you are observing has no effect on what your next task is. And what it does is it immediately pushes away the broad majority, 90-some percent of what you're observing and pushes it into this category of irrelevant and say, none of this is even worth your time thinking about. Your brain is intensely smart because it realizes, why would we use a high-resolution photo when we can use a low-resolution photo? If we don't need all these details, they're just distractions. Focus on the tools. Focus on those obstacles. Everything else is irrelevant. And I can tell you, I know this is true in your life. Listen to me. 
if I was to ask some of you, if you could describe any of the cars that you passed on your way to church this morning, most of you wouldn't be able to name even one. You don't know. Cars came past you this way. Some of you even passed cars. If I was to ask you, can you describe one of the cars? A lot of you would be able to name none. If I said, okay, well, cool, you got one. Name two. A lot of you would be like, I literally don't know. I don't know. Why? Because that's irrelevant. Your brain doesn't care to know that information. Your eyes saw it. You saw the color. You probably noticed the make, but your brain immediately pushed that into irrelevant because for you, all I need to do is not hit that car, right? I don't care what kind of car it is. Just don't run into that one. doesn't really matter what it is. Low resolution works, right? I know this is true. Do me a favor. Stare right at me for one second. Cut out your peripheral vision just for a second for me, okay? Stare right here. Don't look around. I know that right now if I ask some of you without looking, what your spouse is wearing, you would have no clue. They're sitting right next to you. And if I was like, but what are they wearing? You'd be like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I have no clue. What's the person next to you wearing? Some of you are sitting next to a stranger. If I asked you, what are they wearing without looking? A lot of you would be like, I have no clue. Why? Well, it's irrelevant. Some of you, it is relevant because this morning you got into an argument about what you're going to wear, right? You still have to dress him, so that was an argument, so you do know what he's wearing. Or maybe she asked you that dumb question, do I look fat? Which, by the way, guys, easy question. Answer, always no. Done. Don't ever have to even worry about it. Don't even have to look. No, it doesn't. And you can just walk right out of the room. You're set. So here's the situation. Unless maybe there was that argument about that, you probably don't even know. You don't recognize what they're wearing because it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect your day. In fact, for a lot of you, you're coming into this location, right? You're spending this time walking in here, and you're surrounded right now by a hundred and some people who are around you, okay? And that's awesome. But if you were to leave here, and I was to meet you out front, and I was to chat with you, and I would say, I know that you knew some people who go to church with you, right? But could you describe to me one person that you don't know that you saw today? Most of you couldn't describe one person. If I was to ask you, could you describe one stranger that was in the audience? Most of you couldn't describe one person from memory. Why? Because in your brain, that's irrelevant. This is just crowd. I don't need to look at the individual people because that doesn't actually affect what I'm doing right now. I have my task of coming in and listening and doing this. And maybe you know you could describe somebody who you know was here from memory because you know them but you didn't really observe the faces or the dress or the body stature of the people who are around you. And I was asked, who is that person who is behind you two rows? Could you describe them? You'd have no clue to be able to describe them because your brain is always going through this process as a task-oriented being. We have tools that we're focused on. We have obstacles that we're focused on. But the broad majority of our life, of what we observe, is immediately put into this category of irrelevant. Well, here's why I think this is important. Because most of the time, we are always on task. Next thing we're trying to do. Next thing we're trying to do. Next thing we're trying to do. And every once in a while, we have these moments in which we get these pauses. And when we get the pause, the task is put on pause. And we have an opportunity for a moment to to put the, the task on pause and maybe open our eyes. But I wonder if now, since we immediately draw our phones and we create our next task immediately to read this post, to listen to this talk, to to check this certain, you know, app. What if we're never moving out of that next task-oriented moment? And what if our technology is causing us to live at constant low resolution? What if our technology is causing us to walk through this world 
just at low resolution all the time. That the technology is jumping in. And our phones, they're becoming higher and higher resolution, right? What if as our phones become higher and higher resolution, our world around us is becoming lower and lower resolution? Did you know, right now, for real, around the country, there are cities and there are states who are trying to implement, get this, texting and walking legislation. This is a real thing. I can't make this up. Not texting and driving legislation. You know about that. Texting and walking legislation. Because so many people are getting hurt as pedestrians on their phones just walking right into traffic or often walking and falling over things that are on the sidewalk and getting hurt in the city. Because people are so focused on their phone that they say we need to do something and they're considering, get this, in some big cities, levying fines against people who are using technology as they're walking through crosswalks. Because we're so distracted. And what they're talking about is exactly this. When you're looking at that phone, everything else becomes low resolution. You're not thinking about the people who are coming past you. You're not actually registering what they look like, who they are, what the cars are. You're just seeing them as just these blocks, these blobs, these things to be moved around. And it's this low resolution. And I wonder, are we locking ourselves into a low resolution world because of immediately filling these, these gaps with technology? See, I believe the pause is on purpose. And one of the opportunities of the pause is just for us to be able to observe. Now, what could we observe? First and foremost, we could observe this whole amazing world that's around us. And I said, we have a tendency to live in this low resolution, but did you realize just how astounding the world around us is? I mean, did you realize, I believe every single day, you are walking past beauty, You are walking past amazing things. You're walking past form. You're walking past color. You're walking past sound and warmth and all of these experiences that are coming into your your life, but you're not even observing them because you're focused on that next task. You're distracted by technology, and you're not even experiencing it. Did you realize that the world around us was created beautifully on purpose? That maybe we can be so distracted, but did you realize that that isn't a mistake? That it's actually the creator's intent. In fact, in the book of Romans, Paul wrote about the idea of people saying, you know, there's some people who say that they've never heard about God. They never knew about God. What do you have to say about this? And here's how Paul actually responds in Romans 1, 19 through 20. He says, speaking of those people, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Well, how has he made it obvious? He says it in verse 20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they don't have any excuse for not knowing God. He says God designed this world as a means of communicating how powerful, how beautiful he is. This world around us is this testimony singing forth of who God is. And I wonder for us, if we were to stop and we were to engage our senses and observe, is it possible that we could actually learn something about God in those moments as we observe the world around us? Is it possible that God has actually put some of who he is in it? And if we saw it, we would actually begin to understand it. The Psalms 
are these amazing songs, and so many of them deal with this world that's around us. And I personally, I love to read the Psalms that are in the Old Testament in the message version. So if you guys ever want to, if you're reading the Psalms, Psalms are basically like songs or poetry. And the message is cool because it's like somebody rewrote it in modern language today. So it's like if you love a classic old song, but you're like, yeah, but I like, I like the remake, right? It's got that sick beat on top of it. It's, it's really good, right? I like the remake. That's what this is like as we read these, these psalms. Listen how Psalm 19, 1 through 6 puts this in the message. I love what it says, talking about this world around us and what it's saying. It says, God's glory is on tour in the skies. Godcraft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures every evening. Their words aren't heard, their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. God makes a huge dome for the sun, a super dome. The morning sun is like a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed. The daybreaking sun, an athlete racing to the tape. That's how God's word vaults across the skies from sunrise to sunset. Melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The psalmist writes and says, man, every day on this earth is like a carefully orchestrated dissertation on the glory, grandeur, and might of our God. He says every morning it's as though somebody stands up and begins to teach. And every evening it's as though a professor shows up to begin to lecture. He says showing us this amazing grandeur of God that sits around us. That this whole world is silently shouting the reality of its creator. Consistently around us. Did you know that for like thousands of years people watched these things called sunrises and sunsets? Did you know that? Some of us were so busy with technology, right? And it's just always the next thing. Did you know people in the morning, if they were up early enough, they would watch these things called sunrises? It was dark and there's nothing around them. And then all of a sudden, at the horizon, this little bit of glow would begin to come up. And, and interestingly enough, this terrifying ball of fire, 93 million miles away, yet you can feel the warmth on your face that takes eight minutes to get here, begins to come up over the horizon. And as it does, the sky begins to light up. And all of the things around you that were once black, they begin to radiate their color as the sun bounces off of it and brings their color back to your eyes. And the world becomes illuminated as though it's being painted as the sun comes up into the sky. And then just a few hours later, the sun begins to dip and go down on the other side of the horizon. And as it does, the sky just transforms into these these vibrant colors that, to be honest with you, you just think is natural. But if you had never seen it before, you would swear it's from a Dr. Seuss book because it seems so impossible. That the sun begins to dip behind the the, the horizon and all of a sudden the sky is purple and, and pink and orange and these colors that radiate out in a way that just seems impossible. And for thousands and thousands of years, people would stare at these experiences and say, what kind of God could create something so beautiful as this? I mean, did you know that for thousands and thousands of years when it was dark and people were out and they were doing something, they would look up at the stars and they would see 
these little lights, which are actually stars that are as big or bigger than this giant ball of fire we call the sun. They're just millions and millions of miles away, this incredible distance, and they're, they're spread out across the sky, and they move, and throughout the seasons, we see different constellations come that have these shapes in them that we could guide ourselves by. And have you ever realized that people throughout thousands of years have stood and stared at the sky and realized that they were looking at the exact same constellations? that their great ancestors were looking at, that they stare at the same constellations and stars that Jesus stared at 2,000 years ago and wonder at the beauty and the grandeur of this creator who had to have made this. You see, the world around us, when we stop and observe it, it is telling us the goodness of who God is. It is revealing his nature. In fact, Jesus actually said this. Jesus was teaching his disciples who were following along with him, and he was trying to show them kind of some realities of living in this life. And it's so interesting because, of course, he could just start teaching or he could point towards the old covenant. He did that sometimes. But this time when he's talking to him, what he does is so interesting what he points to. He says this in Luke 12, 24 through 28. He says to his men, hey, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. You're more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment for your life? And if worry can't accomplish a thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Hey, look, look at the lilies and how they grow, he says. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory wasn't dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus, even when he's teaching his men, it's interesting because what he does is he points to the world around him. He says, have you seen the birds? Have you seen how they they don't collect and they don't do all this? They just continue to live and God takes care of them and and God knows them. And of course, you're, you're worth way more than birds. And he says, have you looked at those beautiful flowers? He says, God's the one who creates that beauty on them. And, and they're only here for just a day and they disappear. Don't you think God is concerned about you? It's interesting because Jesus teaches off of that, but as he says it, can you almost hear what he's saying is, you know, if you were listening to the Spirit, you would have got this when you watched the birds. You'd have saw the birds and they would have told you the story of God's, God's provision. As you, you looked at the, at the flowers, you would have seen the beauty and the Spirit would have whispered to you how God cares about all these little things, that there is this wisdom hidden in the world around us, waiting for us to experience, but maybe we're not experiencing it, that we're missing it because we're immediately filling those gaps where we finally take a break from a task and we don't observe. We just jump into the next thing. You know, I also wonder at this, one of the things that's really interesting in our culture right now is anxiety is skyrocketing in our culture. I don't know if you know that, but anxiety is just more and more and more people are saying they're suffering from anxiety, they're suffering from anxiety. And I actually wonder if this is part of the problem. Because you know what one of the things that's hard with anxiety is when you don't know. That's what anxiety kind of is. And I think one of the problems is what if we're living in this perpetually low-resolution world where nothing really seems contained, nothing really seems concrete? What if we could kill anxiety in some of our situations by actually stopping and actually assessing and observing the world around us? Firmly rooting where we sit, firmly rooting what the environment around us is, the people who are around us, and realizing that we can observe and we can take in everything that sits around us and it is under control, that it is here and it is solid. 
Maybe anxiety would begin to disappear from our lives as we actually rooted ourselves in these moments and we took a moment to not jump to another thing, but we just took this pause and we observed what's around us. So we can observe the world, but the other amazing part is, is what's in the world, namely people. All around us are these people everywhere we go. Some of you, when I talked about the idea of in these pauses, stopping and observing, you're like, well, that's great, but most of the time, I'm not somewhere where I can even look out a window or anything like that, the world around me. Well, one, I mean, you could just observe the room you're in. Everything shows form. I believe there's beauty in so many places that we don't even imagine, even in an office or even in a school or things that you can recognize. But of course, in a lot of those environments, you know what is there with you is people. Very often you're surrounded by all these people which are also God's creation. And listen, people have this amazing aspect to them that even when we talk about nature, we talk about all these animals that might be so beautiful, humans have something that stands and sets them apart from all of that. It actually says in Genesis 1.27, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He says that human beings, one of the reasons why they're so amazing is they are actually image bearers of God. That they are actually these little little figures that are showing you part of who God is. And here's what I think. Very often throughout our days, because we're so task-oriented, because we see everything as tool, obstacle, or or irrelevant, very often in our days when we are surrounded by people, I think we begin to see people in those same three categories. Whatever task we're going to, that person might be a tool to help me accomplish it. And I mean tool as in like a helper. I don't mean like your mean people who are like, that guy's a tool. That's not what I mean. Don't, don't do that, okay? I mean that you see them as a tool. You're like, that's something that can help. Or you know what you do? You see people as an obstacle. They're something that's standing in the way of what I'm trying to accomplish. But listen, I think the sad reality is for most of us, We are constantly placing the people around us in the category irrelevant. Irrelevant. They have no bearing on where I'm going next. The people who sit around you in school, the people who are around you in work, the people who might be around you even in church right now, that in your mind they are just irrelevant. I get why your brain is doing that, but listen to me. You will never, ever, ever lock eyes with somebody that's irrelevant to God. Every single person is relevant. None of them were created by accident. Every single one of them were created to be image bearers of God. All of them show a piece of who God is and carry with them that divine spark that every single one of them is a soul that God has placed on this earth on purpose. And here we are classifying them as irrelevant. What if in these moments where we have these pauses... Instead of jumping onto our our phones, instead of jumping into technology, instead of jumping into content, what if we were to observe and what if these people around us were here to communicate something to us about God or about ourselves in this moment? I'll tell you the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about that. Perfect timing in regards to being Mother's Day today. It's our kids. For you who are moms or dads, we have these little human beings that are with us. And I know you think of them as kids. They are, but... They're actually little human beings. You realize that, right? Just like you and me. They're another soul that God chose to put into a body. And they're just earlier on in this journey, but it's another little human being that God created. And here they are around us, and we find ourselves in these moments with our kids very often where we're trying to accomplish something, and we have this pause, and we immediately go for our technology. What if we're missing something in those moments? You know, 
Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says this. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. That he says that, that children are like a reward and they are a gift that's given to us. Are we missing opportunities with our gifts and our rewards as parents? You know, I'll tell you, being a young dad, obviously, as far as just having a couple young children, I, I talk to parents all the time who interact, and they, they look at my two-year-old, or they look at my, my three-month-old, and they talk to me. And I'll tell you what all of them tell me. And if you are a parent, you heard this at some time, or maybe you said it to people. What's the advice that's given over and over and over again to parents? It goes so fast, right? Don't blink. Don't miss it. Just goes so fast, so fast. It's said over and over and over again. Some of us are hearing that or some of us are saying that. It makes me wonder, if it goes so fast, then why on earth would we try to fill the little moments when it slows down? If it goes so fast, why, when we have this little pause, why would we try to fill that moment instead of letting it slow down for a moment and looking at the reward and the prize that God has put into our lives? I'll tell you, I'm terrified and I hope some of you are too, that someday our children might remember us as this. Do you remember mom or dad as these weird people with this strange square missing from the center of their face? Their eyes are always on this device, always this, this little tiny, I don't know what, three by five wall between us and them. What if we're missing opportunities to see that? I'm telling you, those children, I know it's cliche, they will never be that old again. The next day they're on to another thing. The next day they're on to another thing. And that's the one day you have to be able to experience that child at that age. And are we missing it because we're just stepping in and immediately filling that moment where maybe we have this pause to be able to observe these little gifts that God has given to us. Maybe not just our kids, maybe the friends around us, maybe the people who are around us, that they also, we're going to see something in them that's a gift to us. Or maybe, maybe, it's not the fact that we're going to see something in them. What if they're going to see something in us? What if this pause is an opportunity for us to actually observe the world around us and that we are meant to be something to them? What if the reality is is God is giving us tons more opportunities to interact with people, to be an influence on their lives, to be on mission than we ever imagined, but we're just missing it over and over and over again? There's this story in God's word where Jesus is teaching about kind of the end of the age, when, when everybody comes to their judgment in front of king of King God. And basically it says that he takes a whole group and he puts them to the right and a whole group and he puts them to the left. And King God, sitting on his throne, then makes this judgment. And listen what he says in this moment as Jesus is talking about it. Matthew 26, 34 through 40. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. 
When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. It's interesting because he turns now then to the left and he basically says the exact same things and says, you didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't do this. And they said, when did we ever see you? When did we ever see you? And he gives them the same response. When you didn't to those who were the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you didn't for me. It's interesting because the people in that situation, their response back to God is, when did we see you? Saying, we never saw you. My fear is, is that someday when we get asked that question, we're just going to go, when did we see you? That it won't be the fact that we didn't see him in that situation, it's that we didn't see anybody in that situation. Because we never had this moment in which we stopped and observed And our technology locked us in this perpetually low-resolution world where we never saw anybody in these circumstances. Yet God says there were moments in which I crossed someone's path with yours, and you saw that, and you met it. And listen, we might not be the person who gets to feed somebody who's starving, or clothe someone who's naked, or heal somebody who's sick, or bring someone into our house who's homeless. That might happen, it might not, but there are thousands, I believe, opportunities that come into our lives that might be just one step below that. What if every day God gives us opportunities to encourage someone who's struggling? What if God gives us an opportunity to see somebody who maybe is in a hard place and realize it and see it on their face and bring encouragement and bring love to them? What if God gives us moments to be able to celebrate, smile, or congratulate somebody who's around us, to encourage somebody in what they're doing? What if God gives us these opportunities to be able to step in and and compliment somebody as we go through our day in these little moments between, or even as crazy as this one sounds, What if God would give us an opportunity to have a conversation with a stranger? Oh my goodness, right? That God might bring someone into our day and take us to a moment of pause and that God might actually have us talk to someone that we do not yet know. Did you know how you get to know somebody? You talk to them. That's the funny part about, I can't talk to them, I don't know them. The second you talk to them, you've already fixed the problem. You know them then. Maybe the reality is is there's moments where you're going to have conversation with that person and you think, well, what does that mean? Well, what if there's encouragement that comes from you? Or maybe even this, what if you just talk to that person? Because I think a lot of us, we live in this low-resolution world where we think those are just strangers. Do you know that you bump into the same strangers over and over and over again? You do. Because you have habits and they have habits and usually if you bump into each other, it's because your habits intersect. And you're going to bump into that person again and you're going to bump into that person again and maybe if you actually saw them and realized God wanted you to say something to them, maybe the next time you bump into them, they're not a stranger. They're your friend Dan that goes to the same gym as you. They're Barb, who, you know, she, she works in the next section at my office, but I, I ran into her. And all of a sudden, they're not a stranger. They're somebody who you interact with. And maybe God wants to give you this. What if God is giving us far more opportunities than we see every day? But we are just operating at such low resolution that we're just walking right past them. We're not stopping and even observing these people who are around us. What if God wants to show us something from them? Or what if God wants to show them something from us? I'll tell you, if nothing else, if we hit these pauses and we actually open our senses up, and we look around us, and we see these people, you know what might happen is God might begin to break your heart and show you the expansive mission field that sits around us. 
You might not even have anything to say in that moment. You might not even get anything in that moment. But I'll tell you what you will. If you are a Jesus follower and you believe that Jesus has saved you, when you open your eyes and you look around, you'll have this realization of, oh, my goodness. There are so many people that need Jesus. There are so many people at my workplace. There are so many people at my school. There are so many people in my community. There are so many people in this room, and, and they need to know Jesus. And it might inspire you like never before to realize that you have to be intentional about your faith, that you need to stop playing these games where you mess around, and maybe I'll go to church once, and I'll jump around and try another church, and I'll try this, and realize I need to plant my butt firmly in a local church where I can serve and reach my community. There is so many people. The need is so great. I need to root myself into something, into an organization that cares and is reaching into the community and become part of that because there are so many people who desperately need the word of God. Listen, I don't doubt one bit that you have gained a tremendous amount through the technology that you've put into your life. You've learned things. You've experienced things. You've had things. But you are fooling yourself if you don't think that you have also lost some things because of it. And what I want to do is I want to make sure that you're considering both. I believe these pauses that come in our life, I don't think they're accidents. I actually think these pauses are on purpose. And one of the purposes, I believe, is for you to actually step out of that low-resolution world you usually operate in, engage your senses, and actually see the world and the people around you. And I wonder if God doesn't want to communicate some of who he is. God doesn't want to show you of some of the, the truth that he is. God doesn't want to reveal some of the mission to you. God doesn't want to even maybe reveal some of his love to other people from you in those moments. Like I said, I'm sure there's great content in that moment. You could fill it. You think, yeah, but I want to learn something. Yeah, but I want to. And I'm not saying that isn't the case. But what if God has something even better in those unoccupied moments waiting for you? Try it. Give it a shot. When you hit that next pause and you go to pull your phone, you go to fill it with something, would you just take and stop? Put your phone away and maybe just turn on your senses and observe the world around you. So wonder what God might communicate to you in that moment. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for today and thankful for the world that you've created around us, a world that sings your praises, a world that sings your nature. I ask Jesus Christ that you would encourage each of us to make the most of our lives. I pray that you would not let us get locked into a low-resolution world, but that we would engage our senses and we would experience the world of creation that you have around us and the people that you surrounded us with as well. And I pray right now, God, if there's anybody here that as they recognize this, they realized that the world has been convincing them of the God that you are, of the creator that you are, of the amazing God that you are, that they would recognize that, and in this moment, they might trust you, Jesus, and what you did, that your coming here was a means of, of taking all of those negative things they've done in their life, all of that sin and mistake they have in their life, and paying for it so that they could reconnect their relationship with you, God. And if they're feeling that this morning, that they might just whisper a simple prayer, even now in their minds and their hearts, saying, Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying in my place. Please become the king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pray that God blesses you this week as you do that.